Episode two of Spill the Greens is powered by Cherto Gourmet Cherry Tomatoes on the Vine, also known as the best cherry tomato I have ever eaten in my life. Maybe the best tasting tomato we have here at Moochie Farms. The flavor is absolutely incredible. The smell of the vines is so fresh, I could honestly smell them all day long. It always smells like summer. If you're a foodie looking to impress your dinner guests or if you just want a snack, this is the tomato for you. I'll tell you, when we have meetings here at the office and we just leave bulk Cherto vines in the middle of the table, they never, ever make it to the second half of the meeting. Okay, so here we go. First, I want to thank Bert for spending time with me for episode one. I want to thank everybody who reached out with amazing feedback. Hopefully, we can keep the momentum going this week with Johnny Mucci, another one of our owners who was kind enough to share his story with me. Just like episode one, we're treating the first three episodes as forwards to set the table for the show by letting you in on the company story directly from the people who led us to where we are today. Also, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're using. Help us get to the top of those search engines. All right, Johnny Mucci, episode two, Spill the Greens, right now. Spill the Greens, powered by Mucci Farms. And the story continues today as Johnny Mucci is here to spill the greens. Do you like that name, Johnny? Spill the greens? Very nice. Did you come up with that yourself? I did. It was like a eureka moment. All right. Yeah. Um, Johnny is one of uh, the four owners of the company. He also functions as the vice president of operations here at Mucci Farms. So I I just want to get the story from you. I chatted with Bert a little while ago and we got to talk about um, his version of events. And obviously you have your version of of events and I'm curious to know um, how it went for you. So just to reiterate to the listeners, like your cousins with Bert and Danny, first cousins, right? Yeah. And your dad is Gino? Gino's my dad. Yep. Right. And uh, how many kids in the family? Uh, Just uh, me and my sister. She's a year older than me. And I want to start with the childhood, with your childhood on the farm. What do you remember about being a kid with your family, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, like all on the farm? What do you remember? What are your oldest memories of growing up that way? Oh, there's a lot of them. Well, we all, uh, all our homes were here at Moochie Farms. We all lived here. The only house still standing is the one that uh, my family lived in. Danny and Bert's uh, home got knocked down and my, uh, the other brother, uh, Dominic, uh, who was also a partner in the past, uh, his home was here on site too, and it got torn down as well. So you all lived on the farm. We all lived here. Wow. My house was the, which is now a Mexican bunkhouse that's attached to the boiler room over there. That's where my family lived. Wow. And so what was day-to-day life like? Like take me through a typical day, like a young Johnny Mucci. Like what was, what was day-to-day life like? Well, we lived here on the farm. Our, actually, our Mexicans lived above us, so I can always hear them walking around. You can hear their footsteps upstairs. But uh, no, it was, it was fun. You know, I always, me and Danny were always tight. Uh, uh, he had a dirt bike. I had a four-wheeler. So we always cruised around the farm, did all kinds of kid stuff around here. Um, but we also worked as kids too, like our summer holidays and most kids, like I see my kids now, they actually have summer holidays where they get to enjoy their kids' life after school. Whereas us, we worked, we worked, me and Danny used to load trucks, uh, till midnight, uh, when we grew field tomatoes. So it's, I never had a summer, uh, kid's life. You know, we always worked on the farm. We drove tractors at a young age. I remember I drove the the farm pickup, I was nine years old. 
Wow. I look at my son now. He's 12 years old. I can't imagine him behind the wheel of a vehicle. <laughs> and you guys had, back then, there'd be no forklifts or anything like that, so you would manual stacking pallets, basically? Uh, we did that. Uh, we used to load the, the semi-trucks uh, by hand. Uh, we would have a pump jack in the truck and we would hand bomb everything in there, put it on pallets and they would, uh, load the truck, but we eventually got forklifts. So, uh, uh, we loaded, uh, the trucks, me and Danny drove the forklifts. We actually even drove the, we used to deliver our, uh, tomatoes to the sump parlor co-op over here before we started packing our own stuff. And, uh, when I got my license, I, me and Danny were both driving the steak truck and delivering <laughs> tomatoes out there. How old would you have been? This is like teenage years? 16, yeah. Wow. Hey, when you were growing up, did you have any non-farming career goals or did you always know that this is what you wanted to do? Like, did you enjoy it? Uh, I enjoyed working on the farm. My dad always uh, dragged me in the greenhouse to teach me stuff as a kid. Um, it, uh, you know, I, I wanted to play video games and then my mom would come in the house and she would yell at me and tell me to get in the greenhouse and go to work. And I, yeah, it, it was hard for me to enjoy the kids fun stuff. I mean, they did, I did play hockey growing up. So, but that was during school years. It wasn't the summer when you did hockey and, uh, my mom always drove me to that. My dad barely came to my hockey games, but, uh, I played hockey. Was there anything in particular about the farming that you liked? Um, not necessarily. It was just basically a, a job for me. I mean, my I I never really got paid until I got a little older. Then they started paying me. My um, I remember I'd work a whole week in the greenhouse and all that for my parents to buy me an Atari game on Friday. <laughs> that, that that was my paycheck. <laughs> so you worked at the farm right th all the way through. Um, I had. Two other jobs for a short period of time. My dad always says, you know what? You should go work for someone else just to see what it's like. Probably a good lesson to learn, right? I actually worked at the Sun Parlor Co-op uh, hand-making uh, uh, boxes that they put produce in because now we have box machines that form them and make them. But they mm -hmm. used to be made by hand. And uh, I did that for a, a summer job at the Sun Parlor Co-op. And I also worked for uh, a buddy of mine, Ricky Palacella, who they had... Uh, a terminal at the Eastern market in Detroit. And I would go there with him and uh, do some work with him for uh, uh, probably a couple months. It was another summer job. Mm -hmm. That's it. The rest of the time, never actually had another job other than the farm here. And besides those two, what did you find to be the biggest difference between working for your, for your dad or working for like at these other jobs? What was the biggest difference? Uh, nothing really. I mean, I was always, I always did what I was told. It's not like, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I was never uh, a bad kid. I always showed up to work on time. So it was, it wasn't really a huge difference other than I had another boss that I had to listen to, but I always did my job. So I never got in trouble. Okay. So I want you to bring me to the late nineties when the conversation started about entering a partnership with Bert, Danny and Joe to vertically integrate Moochie Pack into Moochie Farms and have a sales and marketing division. So what were you doing at the time and how did this come about? In 1997, well, 96, I was, I, I was probably done my one year of college that I went to in London, but, uh, 97, we built Agriville 
And uh, Danny and I both, uh, you, you, today we build greenhouses turnkey, but that one we actually built ourselves. Like we plumbed all the piping in there and all that. So Danny and I were there working, doing all that stuff with pipe wrench, putting in uh, heating pipes and all that stuff. So we uh, we built that after our after our year in college. We built Agriville, the twenty the first twenty acres there, and him and I um, were there helping out. We we jumped right into the business. I mean, we were only employees; we weren't o- owners. But the uh, the three of us joined together in two thousand and th- or the three of us, the four of us uh, joined together in uh, two thousand and three when we expanded the twenty acres to forty. Uh, at Agriville. And so what was the goal? So when you, when you were offered an opportunity to partner, what was going to be better about partnering that wasn't already happening? Like where, where were the advantages that you were going to see? Well, my dad always said, uh, if you're going to be in this business, you got to grow and be really, really big. And they were getting at that age. So it's like, they weren't going to expand it to be really big. So they gave us the opportunity and they sold us Agriville was the first range that the four of us owned. Um, my parents still owned the the packing facility in, um, in the small Moochie farm range over here. So we, we purchased Agriville. That was our first purchase off of my dad and my uncle. And um, that was the goal, to grow and, and become big. And uh, we also st- we started the sales company uh, in Joe joined us, I believe it was 99, we started the sales company. And uh, then four years later, we bought into Agriville. What was the hardest part? What was the most challenging part about getting started with Agriville? What were some of the some of the early, give me an early story about Agriville and what that was like. Well, we, when we built it in 97, so my, my role was after it was built, uh, my dad was teaching me to grow. So I was there and Danny was there as well, the two of us, and, and um, I was basically a grower. We didn't have growers. And then uh, when we bought it in 2003, I kind of stepped away. We hired uh, Fabio Ingrata, which is uh, related to Bert and Danny, uh, as a grower. So I stepped back growing because the goal was to grow the company. Now you got to step back and be more of a managerial role mm-hmm. versus being on the ground and working yourself. So... Uh, it was a little different. It was it was kind of hard to. I was uh, I was more of a worker versus a delegator. So to delegate uh, wasn't easy. I didn't know I didn't know how to do. It. I always wanted to do it myself, and uh, I always trusted my own work. And then uh, now I'm more the other way around. I want to delegate and have everyone else do it. I had no idea you were a grower. What did you grow? Uh, we were growing beefsteak tomatoes at Agriville, and uh, my dad would. Uh, he would come and obviously see the crop and make sure I wouldn't uh, screw anything up. But uh, I was learning from him. I, I I wasn't a grower long enough to be a perfectionist grower. You know, like now I haven't been in it in so long that I, I can walk into a greenhouse range and see if a crop looks good or if it looks terrible. I, I, I can, I get all that and I could step into it very easily as well today if I needed to. But, um, but, uh, it was, it was good for a few years to, to learn that. Uh, so for you to be responsible for operations, that was half necessity and half desire. Like what was the rationale behind you running operation specific with, you know, Bert was, is doing the farms, Joe and Danny are doing sales and marketing. And so was that just a need that you filled? 
Well, I wasn't in operations right away. I actually, Danny and Joe were in sales and Bert and I were both in the greenhouse running the greenhouse. Uh, I was basically, I was still at Agriville. I was overseeing pretty much just Agriville because we didn't have anything else. My parent, my dad, my uncle still owned Moochie farms here and Bert had South shore. So we ran, I ran the greenhouse. We, we kept hiring, um, an operations manager here for the warehouse and then uh, we hired uh, two people, didn't work out. Then eventually we said, okay, we got to split duties. One of us has to go be a, the warehouse uh, operations. And then uh, got it. And then that's when I says, okay, Bert, you're going to stay at the greenhouse. I'm going to go do the warehouse. How did you like it in comparison to working at the farms? Uh, it took a little getting used to. I mean, not the, I was always involved in um, uh, purchases of packing equipment to begin with, even, even at the greenhouse. So it wasn't that hard. It was just now I have to manage more of a team over here. So it was, it was, um, a bigger challenge. You basically need a grower and a labor supervisor and a maintenance guy at, a, at the greenhouse over here. You have so many multiple positions and there's a lot, there's, I'm not going to say being in the greenhouse is easier because you have a lot more complications there with the crop disease and, and managing and all that stuff. So there, the greenhouse is pretty sophisticated too. It's just over over here you have more positions and bodies to oversee. One thing I know about you is that you are heavily involved in bringing in automation and robotics to our warehouses. What do you find interesting about farm technology and compare it to how it was when you were growing up and just how far it's come? Well, like I said, back when I was a kid, we used to hand make boxes. Now we have equipment to do that. Um, we, we've made a lot of trips to Holland, uh, back in the day. And I used to see automation there and I'd be like, wow, this is pretty wild. I says, ah, we'll never see this in Canada. You know, like you'd see the, the automatic picking carts rolling through the, the walkway in the greenhouse. I, I would have never thought, you know, and Holland got there before us because their labor costs were higher a long time ago versus ours slowly started creeping up. And then that's when, when we started bringing in that uh, technology here, because we're like, we need it because our labor costs were going up. And, and then sure enough, next thing you know, we're pretty automated. We're just as much, if not further ahead than Holland. Take me through the process of finding new technology. So where do you go? How do you find it? Is it just Holland? Like, how do you decide, okay, this makes sense for us to bring in? Well, now there's uh there's expos. So even uh, the PMA is mostly for sales, but there are packaging equipment there. Then there's Pack Expo, and then there's uh, Fruit Logistica in uh, in Berlin, which pretty much every packaging machine company is over there. So I go to the Berlin. To me, the Berlin show is the best one. Like Pack Expo, it's too. It's massive, but I find there's a lot of uh, different companies there that um, that you know, uh, bottling coke or bottling pills. I don't need to see that stuff. So I find when I walk through Pack Expo, I'm like going all over the place just to see what what I need for farming. It's all sporadic. It's spread out, and I'm like walking real estate that doesn't regard to the greenhouse industry versus Berlin. It's for it's some, just it's, for for yeah. our industry. Yeah. So, and then you have the departments where there's, or the um, 
the halls there that are specifically for packaging equipment. So I like to go over there, see what's new. Um, and usually that's where I find the new stuff. Right. Of everything you've seen, uh, like you've obviously seen things that aren't in the market yet. So is there anything out there right now that you've looked at and said, people have no idea that they're working on this, but once they get this thing right, even if it's down the road, it's going to revolutionize the industry. The one that gets me, and it's more of a, f it's the robotics of the picking and placing with the robotic arms. So many people are trying it and it's expensive but let me, there's just certain things you can't do. You still manually have to do it. Like people don't really, and then the cost of it, I, I, it, I mean, it happened to us. We, we put in a piece of machinery and we're like, what a, what a big waste this was. Like you're not getting the speeds, you spend all the money. So yeah, it's pretty challenging uh, to find new equipment. There's always something cool out there. Like I even look at, like sometimes I see on, um, on uh, LinkedIn, I'll see a machine at one of the other farms yeah. over here, and I'll be like, uh, yeah, that's great. But uh, I guarantee uh, their cost, because I always do that research. I always sit down with the company, okay, tell me how fast the machine goes, and then you got to reduce it by 80% because they always shoot their, overshoot their, uh, what the, the capabilities mm -hmm. are. And then I base my ROI on that. Bert was telling me that there will never be a time where the human eye is not needed. Do you agree? I agree. In your lifetime of farming, what changes would you say have been the most interesting? The first one was uh, when we used to grow in the ground, and then we switched to growing in rock wool. Uh, as a kid, I used to get down on my hands and knees and move the dirt over and put the plant in the ground. And then... And then we switched to rock wool and we were one of the first ones in town here to switch to it. There was us and another grower and, uh, that was an interesting change. And then, uh, after that, it, it became, um, the, the gutter system where now you're, you're not on the ground anymore. You have it raised up off the ground. And I heard that technology was, uh, invented in Holland because some greenhouses had flood issues Interesting. But that's what I heard. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. It would make sense if that was true. Yeah. So the, I heard they had flood issues. So they said, let's figure out a different way to do it. So they, they raised it off the ground, but it became, it had other benefits as well after that. Because you can capture the water and recirculate it because uh, it's got channels on the side of the gutter that captures the, the leachate water. And then uh, the other benefit was you can lower the crop and start a new crop in between and because you had the height to lower because now it was sitting off the ground. So it had other benefits, and now pretty much every greenhouse that's built has a gutter system in it. So I want to talk about a little bit about your role when it comes to expansions when we build these warehouses in Taylor and San Antonio. So what do you have to consider when we're building out a warehouse, what are the things that when you go in there to look at what you need, what are the main things that you consider? Um, well, we need space. So, um, that, that's one of the things, uh, pack lines. I mean, uh, there's really, it's, it's just, uh, the movement from receiving the shipping and, uh, where are you going to put your box machine to like, it's, it just has to have the proper layout um, for efficiencies. Do you feel like when you walk in now, you've done it so many times that you know exactly what will and won't work? Uh, yeah. 
I, I, there's companies out there that, uh, that, uh, they're basically consulting companies that say we can build the refrigeration warehouse, uh, or not that they build it, they hire them and they'll, and they'll lay it out efficient for, for, uh, for the way you operate. I don't need those guys. I could pretty much do their job as well. When you started, did you ever think that you would go from, you know, 40 employees to 1400 plus employees? Did you ever think it would get this big? Like, I know you said the goal was to get big, but did you ever think it'd be this big? As a kid, I never really thought about it. I mean, our parents pretty much had the biggest farm in, uh, in, uh, in the area, I've never thought like of building 30 acre ranges big like that. Um, that's pretty much the norm now. Yeah, no, I never really thought of it as a kid. But then when my dad says, you got to take this business and make it really big, then that's when you're like, yeah, okay, I, I get where you're coming from. Because if you stay small, then you're basically going to get squashed out eventually. What do you think the key has been to the success of the company? Because you guys went rapid fire. If we think about it, 20 acres of Agerville in the late 90s plus whatever else you would have had here. And you now come fast forward to today. You know, we're approaching 300 acres in two countries with all kinds of expansion plans. Um, what's been the key? Why have you been able to be successful? Uh, I think we have a great partnership between the four of us. Uh, nobody steps on each other's toes. We all have our roles and uh, and we stick to it. Uh I find we have a good team. I, I look at this business and say, if it was one owner, can you run it? Um, I'm not saying you can't. It's not easy because I see some of the other ones that are one owner and they uh, and they get really big. And, and not that, like I said, not that you can't do it. You really become dependent on your employees. And we still are dependent on our employees. They are key people to our company. It's just I, I find we all have our own roles. So it, it kind of helps out because – because we're all owners, so we're and we all have the same goal is to get big and and uh, and be successful. We're all hungry too, so and we're young and and passionate about what we do. Why do you think people like to work here? I believe we are good people to work for. I mean, I know myself. I don't. Uh, I don't look at an employee and think I'm better than him because I'm I'm an owner. I, I, I look at everybody here as, as my friends and, uh, I respect them as an equal. I don't think I'm a better person cause I'm an owner of this place. I like to do things with my employees. Even when we go to shows and stuff, I like to hang out with them. You know, I like a, a fun environment. I don't like to be like, okay, we're going to go do our own thing. You guys, uh, thanks for coming uh, to the show. You guys go figure out. Uh, we like to hang out. We like to have fun and we like to treat everybody like family here. I can say for sure with certainty, not because you're here, but uh, I don't think anybody really feels the hierarchy. Like we know who's in charge, but nobody really f is treated as though there is a hierarchy. Yeah. And, and I don't uh, disrespect uh, any employee here. I, I find uh, I don't like to yell at anybody because uh, that's the way I operate. I find if you yell at someone, you won't make them any better. They'll probably actually work worse for you because now they hate you versus just if someone did something wrong, it's just like, you know, you sit down and talk to them and tell them what they can improve on. All right, Johnny, I want to get to some general questions, maybe a little bit outside of the framework of work. First question, I happen to know that you are a huge sports fan. Do you have a favorite sport or a favorite team? I got a lot of favorite sports. I, I like to play golf, even though I don't play. 
love hockey. I used to, I played hockey growing up. I actually think it took a toll on my body as I feel it now. <laughs> But that's what I played growing up. I'm actually uh, I'm I'm starting to like more sports than I did as a kid. As I get older, like I I pretty much enjoy every sport. I I enjoy uh, basketball. I enjoy football. I enjoy baseball. Um, do I have a favorite? I don't know. <laughs> Whoever's winning, I I, I like them all. Tell me the. I know that you go to a ton of games. So tell me the one game that you attended that you might cherish more than all the rest. Oh my god! I've. You're right. I've been in a lot of games. Um, Big ones too. You've seen a lot of trophies lifted. Wow. I guess uh, it would be the first Stanley Cup when I've seen the Red Wings in 2002. Because to witness that. I mean, but I, I mean, I can go on and on. I've seen the Pistons win the championship. I've, uh, I've seen Tiger Woods win in person. I've been to the Super Bowl this year, although my team lost. Yeah, I've been to a lot of games. Best thing about working with family, worst thing about working with family? I don't know if I really necessarily have a worse. I mean, uh, probably because we all get along. If we didn't get along, then, uh, then it would you probably say that's the worst thing about working with family because you don't get along. We get along. So the best thing is, um, I mean, uh, they're my first cousins, Danny and Bert. I, you get to see them every day. You probably won't like, I got other first cousins that I don't see as much because I don't work with them. Tell me, what are you, what are you most proud of? What I'm most proud of in uh, terms of the business, like what are you most proud of? Like when you look back at where you came from and you look at where everything is now, what are you most proud of? What I'm most proud of is what we brought this business to now. Like, um, you know, when you go to the grocery store, you always know the names like Dole and Sunkist. And now like people are actually starting to recognize Moochie. It's, uh, it's amazing. Someone will come up to me and see my jacket. I'm wearing a Moochie Farms jacket. And I'm like, oh, you work for Moochie Farms? And it's like they, they, they know you now. And it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. It's, it, uh, you feel good when you hear that. Must be neat, like, because it's your last name. Does it sometimes, like, trip you out when you're driving my What's my last name on the door? Yeah, no, <laughs> it, it, it's cool. Like, when, it's cool for people to recognize you. I mean, it, I almost um, feel like when someone says, oh, you work for Moochie Farms, it's, it's almost... I to say no, I'm the owner. I don't know. I don't want to feel like a big shot. You know what I mean? But uh, but what am I going to say? No, I work there. Johnny, thank you so much for spending time with me. I think that about covers it. Oh, it was my pleasure. Spill the greens, powered by Mochi Farms. <laughs>